a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people on RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot and Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, the 2nd of May. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig, and how are you? Well, I'm excited because Friday is Stinko de Mayo. Okay. <laughs> that means I get a burrito for dinner. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not that I don't have burritos other times, but... I never have burritos. You know, um, when we lived in Phoenix, I'll tell you what, Cinco de Mayo was huge. You know? Oh, sure, um, sure. And, you know, because there's uh, a good Hispanic population, of course. And I, I don't mean just the the illegals. I mean the, the people that are there legally. Right. You know. Uh, and, you know, Cinco de Mayo is a big deal for them. Uh, to us, it's Friday. You know? Right. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it is what it is. And But, you know, it, it's kind of like... The Mexican version of St. Patrick's Day. You know, for one day, everybody celebrates Cinco de Mayo in some way. Oh, sure. Sure. Absolutely. And it's always kind of fun. I mean, you know, you you have a little Mexican food, which I know you don't like. You don't like Mexican food. The only thing I like is corn pudding. And see, that's one of the things I don't like. Okay. You know, but, uh, you know, a little Mexican food and... And, uh, you know, uh, you, you watch one of those old movies, you know, we don't need those stinking badges. You and, do that. I just, to me, it's just another day. <laughs> you know, and, and, and there you got Cinco de Mayo. Um, hey, before we get started, and, and let, let me just tell folks what's coming up on the show. Uh, Diane, you're talking about standing with Tucker Carlson. Yeah, and I, unfortunately... Um, Someone on Facebook, where we do a lot of advertising, uh, reported me as spam. So it didn't get out there like it should have gotten out there. Well, you know, we'll give it a boost tonight. Yeah, the censorship is starting already, folks, ahead of 2024. Yeah. I've got Bud. Oops, what was that? Sounded like an update. Um, I've got Bud, no wiser, doubles down on stupid. Okay. And, 
it, you can pretty well guess, folks. It's you know the second in what is becoming a series on my mm-hmm. uh, National Patriot blog about Budweiser and Bud Light. Um, hey, you got a long way to go to catch up to my COVID series. Yeah, but I'm I'm working fast and furious right now on two more. Count them, two more articles about Bud Light. So, okay, and I'm working, or will be working on a. I don't know what you'd call it, a companion to your last part, or an adjunct. I'm right. not. A hundred percent, sure, maybe adjunct is a better word. Yeah, yeah. And that, <clears throat> that'll that be for two weeks from now. Right. Right. So, you know, we got we got a long ways to go on that. Before we get started with quick hitters, I just got to mention something really quick. Did you see Biden and the Air Force football team? No. I oh, my God. You and I haven't had a chance to talk about this because we've both been busy on different things. He had the Air Force football team over to the White House to congratulate them on winning their football games last year against all the other service branches. You mean and, he's still doing last year's stuff? Yeah, okay. well, I mean, you know, you got to do it when the, when the teams are available and all that. I don't know. But, you know, Air Force beat Navy and they beat Army and, and you know. So, okay. So they get a special thing they get to come to the white house well the team did what teams do when they go to the white house and they presented joe biden with some gifts okay okay they they gave him and you know when, whenever somebody who occupies the oval office gets a gift it, it just kind of goes into storage and then it winds up in the presidential library okay, okay. Which, which in biden's uh, case will be the basement of an outhouse but Probably what what he did, what they gave him, they gave him a helmet, a football, and a jersey. Okay. Okay. And so he's standing there, shaking hands, looking confused. He hands the football and the helmet back to the team members, holds on to the jersey, and then just kind of shuffles out of the room. And the the team members are standing there like, what's going on? They had no idea. Biden had no idea what he was doing. He's supposed to take all of that with him. Well, where were his keepers? Well, apparently they weren't close enough to him to tell him, um, uh, no, you you take those with you. And he he just looked completely confused and completely lost in that that shuffling, half-stumbling, walking motion that he has. He just turned his back on the team, and walked away. Well, that's his new norm. I mean, it was just, it was stunning. You know, I mean, it's just, oh. just, oh my God. Anyway, let's get to the quick hitters tonight. Am I to understand that the liberals have moved on from trying to take away all of our gas stoves onto something else? Oh, they actually have 100% because now they're trying to ban the internal combustion engine uh, overall. But they're focusing in now on lawn equipment, leaf blowers, edgers, that sort of thing. I just just bought an internal combustion weed whacker. Okay. And 
they can have it when they pry it from my cold, dead hands. Well, let's put it this way. There's a lot of us with those combustion style, and we ain't giving them up. I doubt if that would ever pass in Florida. (laughs) DeSantis would find a way to say, shove it, Biden. Now, Um, let let me ask. California is implementing this. Well, of course, California is. Good Lord. Right. You know, they're on the cutting edge, right? They're on the cutting edge when it comes to cutting lawns. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me let me just pose a question. A- up here in my part of the country, North Central Nebraska, you've got a lot of ranchers. You got a lot of farms. You know, people with a pretty good size spread, and they have you know around their abodes, they have a lot of land that needs to be mowed, right. man- manicured, even right. Um, if they have to go to wind-powered lawnmowers, how are they going to manage to cut acres and acres of grass? It's not wind-powered lawnmowers. Well, whatever they they're doing. It, they Wait, they want you to have an electric cord. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, uh-huh, that's, that's going to work out real. going to work out real, real well. You, you know, know? I, I know some people in my part of the world whose lawn is like, three, four acres in size. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I've yet to see a cord that's, that's going to allow you to mow all of that. Now, there's Extension battery. cords. Yeah, there's, Extension ba- cords. there's battery-powered lawnmowers. And oddly enough, I've looked into them because I'm looking to buy a new lawnmower this spring. Okay, and I thought, you know, it... Uh, with with the electrics, the worst thing that happens is the battery dies, and you have to get a new battery. Mm-hmm. Okay, because it won't take a charge, right? So, I looked into them, and A, they're abhorrently expensive. Yes, they are. And B, you can't mow for more than like 45 minutes before you have to recharge the batteries. Exactly. Well, here's something else about them. The reason these so-called environmentalists are up in arms, and no way can this be truth. They say that using a commercial gas leaf blower for an hour produces emissions equal to driving from Denver, Colorado to Los Angeles. Oh, hog crap. Are you buying that crap? I'm not. Absolutely not. That's I mean, that's, what they're basing this all on. That's that's insane. Of course it is. You know, I mean, look, here's, here's kind of the deal. <laughs> a couple of years ago, a friend of mine up here, because I had, you know, my lawnmower had died and my grass was getting deep, and they said, well, we'll loan you a couple of goats. And they'll come over and and, and eat your grass down. And I turned them down because, well, goats fart, and that's not good for the environment. Well, here's how hypocritical they are. Apparently, this thing is in effect in Washington, D.C., and they have very strict bans. They have uh, barred the use of gas-powered leaf blowers by anyone within the district. And that started on January 1st of 2020. And if you're caught 
using a leaf blower, you get a $500 fine. However, it doesn't matter if you're on federal property. You can still use the gas-powered leaf blowers. I was just going to ask that question. I was going to ask, what are they used to maintain the, the south lawn at the White House? A gas one. But it's okay. It's okay because, for them. You know, remember, the government, it's not, you know, do as we do. It's do as we say and we'll do as we want to do. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yep. yep. So screw them. Yeah, more greenie weenie nonsense. You know, tomorrow I may just go fire up my internal combustion weed whacker and just let it run. Ah, uh, okay. Just stand out there in the yard and let it run. Yeah. Um, the, the debt ceiling fight is getting interesting. And is there any chance at all that Joe Biden might see even a glimmer of light and, and come around to not wanting to spend gazillions of dollars? Well, he actually did reach out to, um, House Speaker McCarthy, but also to Senate Majority Leader Chucky, you know, Chucky the Clown. And also to Mitch McConnell. He reached out to have a BS conversation. This was so important to him, the debt ceiling, that they're not meeting until late next week. That's how important it is. And he's not really willing to give in on anything. But Craig, I have a solution to the debt ceiling problem. Really? Besides, just shift your numbers around on paper and you can solve it because it's all paper shifting. But if you really want to get rid of the debt crisis, okay, all the countries that owe us money, and, and we're talking millions and billions of dollars, they need to start making payments and get rid of all the fluff and the nonsense and the welfare and the this and that the shrimp on the treadmills, get rid of all this crap and we can pay pay the debt off. Well, I'm sure China's check is in the mail right now. Yeah, as they're trying to buy up more of our country. Mm-hmm. Right, you know. Um, actually, Kevin McCarthy's plan is pretty good. I mean, it is. If, if you read through it, folks, it actually makes a lot of sense. And one of the key factors in the McCarthy plan is to increase government spending by only 1% per year. And that's in exchange for raising it this time. Right. Yes. And, and, but that's a huge savings because uh, normally they're boosting spending by anywhere from 10 to 20%, the, you know, the right. federal government year over year. And if you limit that, to 1%, um, you're saving a lot of money. But here's the thing. The liberals in Congress are having a hissy fit over it because, you know, if you limit it to 1%, it's going to kill people, right? Now, no, but, it's, but, well, but no, here's, it's not. Yeah, no, it's not. Of course it's not. You know, but that's, that's what the liberals say. But if you look at it and you look at the figures, what they're cutting back to is the 2022 spending level. Exactly. If it worked in 2022, why won't it work in 2023? (laughs) The whole thing is 
we spend and give away too much. And now with the illegals, okay, and all the benefits we're giving illegal, I don't say migrants, I don't say, you know, uh, asylum seekers. These are illegals. We are giving millions and millions and billions of dollars to criminals who have crossed our border illegally. Their very act of crossing illegally and not going through the system makes them criminals. And that's where a lot of our money is going. We need to cut that completely. But we're not going (laughs) to. Well, see, I love the pause. We need to cut it completely, but we're not going to. No. We're not even going to cut it a little bit. No. Unless... We take back in 2024. Another another nice thing about the McCarthy plan is that it, it claws back, as that's the term they're using for it, it claws back all the COVID money that never got spent. Right. You know, because that, honestly, was nothing but a slush fund to begin with. So all those hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, billions of dollars, really, that never got spent, it claws those back, okay, right. and that and that helps too. So if you look through the McCarthy plan, it really does make sense. And congratulations to Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, controller of the purse strings, for coming up with a logical, common sense plan. Absolutely, but I still think the countries that owe us money, in all seriousness, need to start paying what they owe us. Well, I agree with you, no doubt. Um, and we need to we need to cut back on welfare and all sorts of benefits for illegals. So here's here's my thought because you're absolutely right. You know, every one of your points is absolutely right. So I propose putting you in charge of bill collections. <laughs> okay. You just you just hop on the phone tomorrow. You give she uh, a call over in China and say, "Hey, you owe us. Send the money." You know. Well, there's <clears throat> a way to get them to send the money. You don't send us the money. You don't get aid from us. Well, but but do they care? Because uh, you know it, it, the aid they get from us is a drop in the bucket compared to. Uh, the amount of goods that we import from them, and we can't go green and plug in our lawn equipment if we don't have the rare earth batteries that are manufactured and dug out of the ground in China. How about you put all the money back, you turn on all the electric switches, you get those gas drills and, and oil drills up and running, and we go back to being energy dependent and screw them. You know what? You're going to be very busy, Diane, because I am officially putting you in charge of that too. Ah. <laughs> so when you're not when you're not collecting bills from foreign countries, you, you can go out and, and drill for oil. I don't think there's oil here in Florida, but <laughs> no, I mean, you, you, if you drill down too far in Florida, and by too far, I mean about six feet, you're going to hit water. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Or coral. Yeah, oh, yeah coral. True. Yeah, and you can't run a lawnmower on coral. No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, Coca-Cola shareholders are taking a stand, 
And and this is pretty interesting because this figures into all this woke nonsense. Um, yes. It's kind of a shareholder versus stakeholder situation. And right now, for the time being, the shareholders are winning. Yeah, at Coke, they don't want any part of the equality, equity nonsense, the woke nonsense. Um, this deals with Coke wanted to do some mumbo-jumbo, maybe pulling out of states that are very um, anti-abortion. Right. And the shareholders flat out said no. Now, to be fair, Coca-Cola, you know, they they wanted to really target red states. Yes. um, You know, and and make it hard for red states to, to... get coca-cola products and you know like every other conglomerate coca-cola owns a whole lot of different things um but you would have thought that coca-cola would have learned their lesson when the whole new coke thing became such a debacle and nobody wanted it because it tasted terrible it did taste terrible Absolutely. You know, you, you would think they, they would have thought, well, you know what? We we tried marketing no, new Coke a few decades ago, and that bombed out. Maybe we shouldn't be messing with our marketing. But no. No, they wanted to. But the shareholder said, uh-uh, not so fast. Well, this issue was a little bit different than, let's say, the Budweiser issue because they didn't want to bring on a woke spokesperson. What they were actually doing was getting their company politically involved in the abortion issue. Now, tell me, what does Coca-Cola have to do with abortion? Nothing. Nothing Nothing whatsoever. And that's the problem. You know, exactly. I mean, what what are these companies thinking? I'm going to address some of that. Not not Coke per se, but I'm going to address some of that in my segment coming up later in the show. Um, You know, in in my commentary that I put out this week. I'll address more of it next week and even more of it the week after that. Oh, my God. Maybe soon they'll, you know, for all the publicity you're giving them, it doesn't remember, even bad publicity is still publicity. Maybe they'll put your smiling face on a can. Well, I think the idea is for Bud Light to sell more beer, not less. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I might be wrong about that. And, and given what they've been doing over the last month, I probably am wrong because, you know, they seem hell-bent on selling less beer. Yeah, it sure seems that way. <laughs> you know, um, A tax write-off. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, hey, look, if uh, if they want to put my face on a beer can and completely destroy the company, hey, I'll, I'll send you an eight by ten glossy, you know. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, and down in Oklahoma, finally in our quick hitters, the governor of Oklahoma, uh, you know, uh, Coca Cola shareholders are taking a stand. Well, the governor of Oklahoma is also taking a stand regarding gender surgeries on minors yep no more of that you're under 18 don't even consider it because it ain't happening but oklahoma's not the only state that's taking a stand i know my state is i know texas is oklahoma um there's a number of states that have said 
No. Because their leaders realize you can cut off, you can add on, you can mess with the inside a bit, but until you change one's DNA, you are as you were born. You can play act all you want. You can pretend all you want. You can cross dress all you want, but it's not going to change who you are. You know, when I heard today that the Oklahoma governor was putting his foot down and disallowing gender altercation surgeries on minors, I thought, well, what does he have against people that dig coal out of the ground? I don't get it. Minors. Oh, my, not minors, <laughs> minors, minors, M-I-N-O-R-S. O-R-S. R-S. Oh, okay. Well, see, I just, I just heard it on, on the, uh, you know, Fox News on the radio, uh, okay. you know, this afternoon. And I thought, well, you know, minors should be allowed to do what they want, right? I mean, they dig coal out of the ground. They do other things. They get gold, they, they, you know, but it's minors. Yes. Well, that makes but a lot more addition, sense to me now. In addition to the surgery, um, this governor, uh, his name is Kevin Stitt. He is also making it a crime to even give puberty blocking drugs or hormones that suppress or delay normal puberty. If someone is under 18 years old, in fact, they are making it a felony for healthcare workers to provide children under the age of 18 gender surgery or the puberty blocking drugs, hormones, etc. Well, and, I give and him a lot of credit. Frankly, this is what it's going to take to put an end to this nonsense is for governors like Steck down in Oklahoma to uh to to grow a backbone and say we're not going to do this in our state you know i mean if you if you talk to most doctors you know the doctors with common sense and real degrees they're gonna they won't do it they're going to explain to you how you know damaging this can be mentally to minors minors not minors minors And, you know, and and they won't do it. You know, you got quacks out there that will do anything for a buck, you know, Uh, and and they're going to be the ones that are going, oh, no, you you can't stop this. Well, you know what? Uh, When you're doing this, when you're performing gender-altering surgery, and, and, you know, obviously not DNA because you can't do that. It's not possible. Right, but not but yet. when you're when you're doing the the gender surgeries, you are literally mutilating children. Yes, and you know who's guilty of this is the parents for allowing this. Yeah, what in the Any world's wrong with them? Any parent who allows their child to be mutilated in such a way, they should be brought up on charges as well. Because I agree. children, many children go through phases of girls being tomboys or boys being more feminine. And then once they reach puberty and their hormones all change, 99% of them realize, wow, what was I doing? Right. You know, this is a phase some children go through. 
but you mutilate them that way, there's no going back. No, they're they're stuck with it. And that's not who they are. Because eventually they realize, hey, I'm a boy or I'm a girl. And this has nothing to do with gay people whatsoever. No, no, this is just the the gender dysphoria thing, which right. which really now is more gender indoctrination. That's what it's become. We have teachers in our school system now that are pushing children into this. Not only are they pushing children into this, Diane, but they're also covering up the fact that they're doing it so the parents never know. Exactly. I mean, it, exactly. look, you if, know if that this old is all... Adage, it takes a children to raise a village BS. A village children to raise to a children. Raised by their parents and their parents and their immediate families alone. You know, if you're doing something with children that you have to hide from the children's parents, you're doing something wrong. Well, I mean, it's just that simple. Yeah, and what about the uh, parents that allow their children to sit through drag queen indoctrination? I know. It's, it's all It all goes hand in hand. It's crazy. It's, so it's the, like... It's a cultural abomination shift-wise into make-believe. Everything now is based on make-believe. If you want it, you can pretend it's true. And if you pretend it's true, it is true. And everybody has to go along with you. It's insane. It's in total insanity. Folks, we've hit the bottom of the hour. That means we got to take the bottom of the hour break. Get a couple of station IDs in. 30 minutes from now, I'm going to be talking about Bud, no wiser, doubles down on stupid. But when we come back from the bottom of the hour break, Diane's got it with Standing with Tucker Carlson. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk, where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. 
and join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. Tuesday night edition of the show, welcome to it. If you miss any part of it, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, and all the shows are right there for you. Uh, folks, by the way, during the break, uh, Diane placed a call to China, demanded money. They put her on hold. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be something? So apparently something happened with Tucker Carlson. Um, nobody's heard about it. Uh, certainly nobody's upset by it. Whatever it is, nobody really knows. Uh, but you decided to take this on because this is... In my opinion, and I believe yours, uh, this is really a clear-cut uh, case of Fox News shooting their own feet off. Well, it's also a case of them showing what they really were, not really a conservative or right-leaning news station. But let me start with this quote. Fox News Media and Tucker Carlson have agreed to part ways. We thank him for his service to the network as a host and prior to that as a contributor. Now, that was the official statement issued by an unnamed Fox News Media spokesperson back on April 24th. Now, as Republican Party infighting continues unabated, as consumer prices soar and gas prices edge higher once again, as the war in Ukraine rages on while draining America's pocketbook, and as Biden and crew refuse to lock down our southern border, we now find that the left has a new de facto ally in Fox News. Once the news haven of we on the right, Fox News is now on the verge of committing rating suicide with what amounts to their firing of Tucker Carlson, whose show, Tucker Carlson Tonight, was the top-rated Fox show. And Carlson's being let go after 14 years with Fox came less than a week after Fox settled a defamation lawsuit, settled to a tune of 787 and a half million dollars with Dominion Voting Systems, an electronic voting and hardware company whose attorneys claim that some Fox News personalities, including Tucker Carlson, peddled what Dominion considered to be false claims regarding the 2020 election being stolen, which in my personal opinion it was, for in no way do I believe that a supposed shenanigans-free basement-dwelling Joe Biden garnered 81 plus million votes. But even before Tucker Carlson's unexpectedly being let go, Fox had already started losing both credibility and viewership. And it all started when they severed its 20-year tie with Bill O'Reilly. And why? Simply because the New York Times report alleged that either O'Reilly himself or that the Fox Corporation itself had paid $13 million to settle five cases of alleged sexual and assorted other harassment charges against O'Reilly, with alleged, as an unproven, being the operative word. 
charges that Bill O'Reilly continues to deny to this day. And so with O'Reilly, Fox set the tone of being the fire-happy instead of taking their chances in court. And if that doesn't send a message, a message that Fox's hierarchy alone will be judge, jury, and sole purveyor of guilt or innocence regarding any charges leveled against one of their employees, even if such charges are minus tangible proof. And Craig, Fox will continue to do so if it helps prevent having to pay out larger sums of monies in any such lawsuit. Remember, in the world in which Fox operates, it is, was, and always will be all about the money, credibility, and truth. Be damned. Well, Fox News has kind of a track record, and like you said, goes all the way back to Bill O'Reilly, and I never understood that to begin with. You know, O'Reilly had a great show in prime time on Fox, and and they they dumped him like you know a hot potato. But there are more recent uh, examples of the the Fox News agenda, I guess, for oh, lack yeah. of a better term, right? Absolutely. Now, Fox seems to be stuck in a cycle of sorts, a a cycle not just about firings, per se, but about public demotions as well. And that particular cycle seems to have started with Judge Jeanine Pirro's being demoted from her highly rated primetime show, Justice with Judge Jeanine, to her being but one of the five. And while the five was and remains a rating success, It is mostly a fluff-style news and celebrity gossip show, a far cry from justice. Then came Dan Bongino, a former FBI and Secret Service agent, as well as a former New York City police officer, whose show, Unfiltered, was canceled after he and the outlet could not come to terms on a new contract. Quote, I want you to know it's not some big conspiracy Bongino said on his podcast, adding that, quote, I promise you, there's no acrimony. This wasn't some WWE brawl that happened. We just couldn't come to terms on an extension, end quote. But no matter that negotiations went bust regarding his show unfiltered, Dan Bongino still saw his other show canceled in the USA, which ran on Fox Nation, also being removed from Fox's lineup, in spite of Fox's claim that Bongino may still occasionally show up as a guest on other Fox shows. And while canceled in the USA was also ratings gold, that Fox's hierarchy, for whatever reason, still decided to cancel, leaves me to wonder just why was Tucker Carlson, the man who was rightfully considered to be the very face of Fox News, made the fall guy for what in reality was Fox's own ineptitude in regards to the Dominion fallout. Simply, in their shadow-blaming Tucker's Dominion involvement, As erroneous as it was, what with Carlson always having been vocal in his not being a fan of Donald Trump, coupled with correspondence gathered that clearly has him stating that Trump's take on Dominion was wrong, Rupert, Murdoch, and Sons 
with said sons probably being the ones now running the show, have made fools of themselves, for they never took into account both Tucker Carlson's popularity and the fact that it was their actions alone that saw within one day of Tucker's being let go both a 3.6% stock price loss equating to a 962 million market value loss coupled with a major loss in viewership. And Craig, with dollars and ratings always being the bottom line, I'm surprised that Daddy Murdoch himself was not on bended knee begging Tucker to come back, for even he has to realize that Tucker's departure is proving to be nothing but network suicide. You know, one of the most interesting aspects of all of this because it's so confusing, honestly, why they let Tucker go, is the response to letting Tucker go from other on-air personalities at Fox. The silence, honestly, has been kind of deafening, hasn't it? Well, with Fox now in trouble, I'm surprised that Tucker's co-workers have not rallied around, united with, and stood strong behind him, for even they have to know that the whims of Murdoch and Sons could see them being the next to be let go, no reason or excuse needed. And that includes Sean Hannity, Jesse Walters, Laura Ingram, Greg Gutfeld, and my personal favorite, Judge Janine Perot. Also not to be overlooked is that Fox's news anchors, Brett Baer, Neil Cavuto, etc., were quick to jump on Don Lemon's firing over at CNN, but did not say a word about their co-worker and friend Tucker Carlson being let go. Guess they were told not to open their mouths or else they would be next, as the old saying goes. After all, threats do seem to work wonders when nothing else does. And speaking of threats, veiled or otherwise, were threats coupled with truths kept hidden, the real reason why Fox and Tucker Carlson who relished in holding the left to account, parted ways, the two very words used by the Fox's aforementioned unnamed spokesperson. In my opinion, it never was the Dominion brouhaha, for that started back in February 2021, when Dominion first sued Fox for defamation, claiming the network willfully spread and endorsed one of the most damaging lies in the country's history, end quote, with Fox countersuing, saying that the suit was nothing but a political crusade that would negatively affect the country's First Amendment rights. And this what is but a he said, she said scenario had two years to fester and grow all on its own with no input from Tucker Carlson needed. No, I remain steadfast in my belief that Tucker Carlson was let go due to his in-depth January 6th expose, an expose replete with his debunking of the left's narrative about an insurrection that never was, courtesy of the Capitol tapes where the truth could clearly be seen by all. And with that expose, Fox was privy to what was probably the biggest news story since the 
presumed to be stolen election itself, an election I and millions of others still believe was stolen, yet not a word about Carlson's expose was reported on by any of the Fox News anchors. And this is probably because Rupert Murdoch himself, along with his rhino Paul Ryan, who sits on Fox's board of directors, said it was a no-go. After all, and again in my opinion, the entire Murdoch clan, as well as Paul Ryan, are but carelessly veiled Trump-hating liberals hiding in the guise of not-so-good Fox News. And here's something else that must be added into the parting of the ways mix, yet it is being kept silent. And that is the fact that Tucker Carlson was currently looking into the truth and the lies surrounding the Ray Epps affair, which actually was considered to be ground zero of a supposed conspiracy theory that the January 6th attack was but a false flag orchestrated by federal agents. And of course, this scared Murdoch and crew for many times conspiracy theories are indeed based in truth. And those who sided with the Democrats dare not let even more truth about January 6th come out, especially, Craig, out of the mouths of someone like Tucker Carlson. So how's Carlson taking all this? I mean, you know, he's made a couple of announcements. They've been kind of uh, cryptic in a way, I guess. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he doesn't seem to be taking this very hard. He's not. Because he's now free of the reporting shackles put on him by Fox, as in the censoring and the incursion of woke nonsense slowly working its way into Fox, free to be who he really is, as in a seeker of political truth, a maverick, if you will, and a maverick with millions of loyal followers, me included, and the loser in all this remains Fox Corporation, who continues to lose money, and lots of it, along with viewership and respect, while Tucker Carlson grows in status with each passing day, a hero to re on the right. So what will Carlson do now? What would job offers coming in, including from Glenn Beck and The Blaze, The Hill, OAN, and even from Russian state TV? <laughs> That's true, folks. I I know, but it just makes you laugh. It does. Personally, I think with Tucker Carlson now reaching cult status, and rightly so, that the best thing he can do is remain an independent of sorts and call his own shots. Maybe he should do what Bon Juno did and hook up with Rumble via a podcast of his own, a podcast like Bangino's, where he and he alone controls its content. Or maybe, and here I'm thinking outside the box, maybe Tucker Carlson should hook up with Dan Bongino and start a network of their own, a network that combines the best of Republican and conservative values with a healthy dose of constitutionalism, thrown in for good measure. And who knows, maybe they could even pool their monies together and try to buy Rush Limbaugh's old EBI radio network 
the largest privately owned broadcast entity in the country today and bring back the likes of Bill O'Reilly and other truth tellers who became victim of closet leftists too afraid to openly show who they really are. And in closing, there's one little bit of personal advice I'd like to give to Tucker Carlson regarding whatever he chooses to do. And that is that he never use company servers again to send emails and private messages. Not just again, but ever again. Just saying. You know, I I tell you what, I think Tucker's going to land on his feet in ways oh, nobody ever dreamed of. You know, of and I mean, you think of all the time Tucker spent uh, doing research and, and doing interviews and, and broadcasting, doing stuff for Fox Nation, doing his nightly show. You know, I mean, the guy was the guy was busy. Maybe not as busy as Kilmeade, because Kilmeade's everywhere. He's like the wind. Okay, but yeah. Tucker Tucker now has the time to go in depth in research. How much you want to bet he starts writing some books that hit pretty hard. Oh, absolutely. He's going to start exposing a lot of truths that have been, you know, hidden. Things we've suspected for a long time, but never had the proof. He will be the one to find the proof. And what sets Carlson apart is he was not a news reader. He did his own research. He did his own reporting. Very, very different than some of the personalities Fox has. And and you can tell, you know, Tucker not only did his own research and his own reporting, but he chose the subjects. Exactly. You know, and, and, you know, and I, I don't want to knock Hannity because Hannity's good at what he does, but mm-hmm. Hannity is almost a repeat broadcast day after day after day. You know, he's, Hannity, he's got a, you know, Hannity's got a core set of, of issues that he wants to discuss, but it's always the same issues and it's always the same uh, approach to those issues where Carlson had different stuff every day. The difference with Hannity is Hannity's show is all about Hannity. He gives more time to himself in what he has to say than he does his guests. Many people have turned away from Hannity because of that. He's no longer the star he once was. Yeah, that's very true. And when when you're doing interviews, okay, and I don't care if you are doing a talk show, uh, if you're taking calls on, on a radio show, uh, or you have people sitting down in your studio for a five-minute interview, uh, or you're you're talking to somebody, you know, a, a, in a remote location as Tucker often did, right? Mm-hmm. The the key to success is listen to what the person you're interviewing is telling you and base your next question off what they just said. But right. if you go into an interview with a set of questions, I'm going to ask A, B, C, and D then you're not really listening to what they're saying because oftentimes what a person in an interview situation says to you 
leads you to a more appropriate question as the next question. Right. And um, a lot of people of name have complained about his constantly over-talking them. So Hannity, even if something happened to him, I don't think he would have the following that Tucker Carlson does. Hannity is not a reporter per se. I don't know how much in-depth interviewing and research he does. He's not Tucker Carlson by any means. No, but I mean, he's he's got other oars in the water too because, you know, he does a three-hour radio show every day. You That's know, and, true. And so, you know, I, I assume he's got a huge staff you know, and they, they line things up for him and they do a lot of research. You know, what I'm saying, Hannity is good at what he does. He's an editorialist. Okay. Right. You know, right. he's, he's part talk show host, part editorial host. Um, you know, he, you know, part interviewer, part this, part that, you know, and for what he, what he does, he, he does it as, as well as anybody, but there's just not, room in his show uh you know for in-depth interviews with people and because he comes in with a set of questions you're not always getting the best interview possible and and i'll tell you somebody else who's a lot like that is laura ingram i like her but Mm -hmm. she's not tucker no you know how often did we see tucker carlson uh in an interview and and the person he's interviewing says something funny and tucker would crack up laughing, and that would lead him to a different question based exactly. on what the person just said. Exactly. Well, I also want our listeners to know that in my article, I have the video of Tucker's response to his firing. It's minus any of the nonsense you'll see with um, other persons giving their opinions of what he right. said. It is strictly his words, his video, and this man is a brilliant man who will go farther than probably anyone in Fox ever has. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that time slot. Um, They already gave it to, um, oh God, what's his name? Um, The, the, he's pretty good. The, the, he he's the black guy who's also a preacher, I believe. Oh, are you talking about Lawrence Jones? Lawrence Jones, yeah. Well, no, I saw Lawrence filling in, but it's not his regular time slot now, or is it? It's if it goes well, it will be. I mean, Kilmeade filled in for him all last week. Oh, then maybe they are just doing it on a weekly basis. But they said, uh. When I saw it last night, it was for the time being. Yeah, so I mean, I think they're I think they're rotating things around. They're looking for, you know, a permanent host for that time slot. Um, and I like Lawrence Jones, but I don't think he's ready for that time slot. I really don't. No, maybe it, they should put Jesse Waters there. Yeah, that would be, you know, Jesse's got a huge following, and he's really good at what he does. I mean, he's really, really good. Move Jesse into that slot and maybe put Lawrence 
leading in to that slot or somebody else leading into that slot. You know, I mean, they're going to have to they're going to have to come up with a major player, a major uh, you know, already cemented player uh to try and recapture that time slot otherwise they're going to lose it. That's what I would think, but who knows, but, you know, they're not they're not thinking uh the way they should be thinking over at Fox. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, if that was really a concern, they'd have kept Carlson to begin with. But exactly, and they know. did. Um, just it's just weird. Uh, the title on your op-ed, "Standing with Tucker Carlson," that you see a lot of people uh, in social media now posting that. You know that that you know little. Uh, I don't want to call it a meme, but that little badge. You know, I stand with Tucker. Um, so I know wherever Tucker winds up, whatever he winds up doing, his fan base is going to go with him. Oh, absolutely. I've been a fan of Tucker Carlson since he did the big expose at Duke when he was on MSNBC because my older son was a freshman when all that was going on. And that was back in Tucker's bow tie days. Yep. He always wore a bow tie. That was yes, the bow tie era. Yes. You know, and I remember seeing him uh, on MSNBC back then, and I thought, who is the guy with the bow tie? I mean, he, he looked like a kid. I mean, you know, he was he was young, he was, uh, and he looked young, you know, and, and yet he's sitting there with this bow tie, and I thought, who is this guy? But what he said made a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's why MSNBC didn't want him eventually because he was making too much sense. But Yeah, I always wondered why and and I caught him because my son said, Oh, you gotta see the guy that's covering the lacrosse scandal and I'm listening to him and I watched every day because every day he reported on the Duke scandal and I'm like, What is he doing at MSNBC? Yeah, <laughs> I mean you know, a starting position, I guess. Well, yeah, kind of an entry-level deal. Uh, but he was way too good for that network. Oh, I mean, yeah. He, he, even back then, uh, untested as he was and kind of a field reporter that he was. You know, he was he was head and shoulders above anybody else they had on the air then or now. Right. Exactly. You know, so Tucker's, <clears throat> he's going to come out of this just fine. Um it's yet to see where he lands. The real question is, how long and deep and bad is the hit to Fox News going to be in the long term? They would have to get a real kick-butt person to take his place if they are even to survive. I mean... Well, and frankly, Diane... Between you collecting money from foreign countries and drilling for oil, I'm sorry you just don't have time for that time slot. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean they they need they need somebody to that does their own research because a lot of times when you have other people doing your research for you, what they're giving you is not really correct. Well, but but you know, in the few seconds we have left before we have to take the break. If Fox wants that, they should have kept Carlson because anybody that does that is bound to go off and say things and cover stories 
that Fox News Corp doesn't want covered, and they're going to wind up in the same boat as Carlson. So that's true. You know. That's true. And the and they're so ups, you know, obsessed with Carlson and all that that suddenly they're putting out. Oh, Carlson made some some sexist remarks. Yeah, well, the producer who filed that suit never even met Tucker Carlson. Exactly. So, but they're trying to break. defame him to keep their own reputation, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, well, that and four bucks will get you a cup of coffee. Folks, we've hit the top of the hour. Diane's op-ed can be found at her blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, or on rspradio1.com under the title, Standing with Tucker Carlson. Get it and share it everywhere. With that, we're going to take the top of the hour break, and when we come back, I'm talking about Bud No Wiser doubles down on stupid. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. Hi, guys. Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's longtime Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. Tuesday night show. If you miss any part of it, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning. Click the podcast button. You're in there. Okay. Just that simple. All right. So this whole Bud Light thing um, has grown legs, and it's not getting any better for Anheuser-Busch or Bud Light. Um, But there's a lot more to it than most people think, and... The more I drill into it, the more information I get. Now, 
what I'm about to cover for you in my commentary tonight is the second bit of commentary I've done on it, and I'm currently working on two more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, initially, a couple of weeks ago, I set forth to take this on as kind of a snarky deal, but there's so much to it that's not really appropriate for snark that it's it's turned into a, a fairly serious series. Yeah. Uh, but no wiser doubles down on stupid. Well, here we are, a scant two weeks since I penned the commentary, Drunk on Woke, Bud Goes Broke, and it's already time for an update. To refresh your memory, like an ice-cold Miller Lite, Anheuser-Busch hired what I've referred to as a woke liberal arts major who has been indoctrinated most likely throughout her government education and certainly at some asylum of higher education by the name of Alyssa Heinerscheid as their VP of marketing. And in her bubble of wokeness, she decided that the way to attract what she called a younger demographic was to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand by partnering with Dylan Mulvaney, a dude pretending to be a woman. Mulvaney is a social media influencer, which is a fancy term for an abject moron. Putting a finer point on it, the new woke marketing campaign for Bud Light was launched on April 1st. That's correct. A fool of a marketing VP launched the most foolish campaign featuring a fool's fool on April Fool's Day. But it wasn't a prank. It was real. As real as a fake woman can be, and it resulted in an uproar immediately that tanked the brand. In just two short weeks, Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch lost better than $5 billion in market share, and the tanking had just begun. According to Red State, and I quote, the latest sales data from Nielsen IQ and Bump Williams Consulting shows that Bud Light sales fell 17% in dollars while volume dropped a whopping 21% in the week ending April 15th. Those numbers are more staggering than a bar fly on a bender and adding insult to self-inflicted injury, Miller Light and Coors Light saw their numbers increase by 18%. Over the same time frame, Diane, using real math as opposed to Common Core, adding the fall of Bud Light to the rise of Miller Light and Coors Light together, that's a market shift of nearly 40% away from Bud Light's favor. Well, you know, beer drinkers usually like certain brands of beer and they don't like to sway from it. So this whole campaign actually turned off loyal customers and made them hate the brand that they loved. It just made no sense. The campaign, the whole idea behind this campaign was just but stupid. You know, it's funny in a way, Diane, because, you know, there are a lot of people out there and I've been I've 
include myself in this a lot of times, you know, you see commercials and you see ads and they just go in one eyeball and out the other or in one ear and out the other. You don't really pay attention to them. Well, this is proof positive that if you screw up big enough, everybody's going to pay attention. Exactly. You know, like you said, beer drinkers tend to be rather biased in their tastes, and it takes something seismic to budge them off their preferred brand. But Woke VP of Marketing Alyssa Heinerscheid managed to cause an 8.0 quake along the San Anheuser fault line. Naturally, the company hastily threw together a new commercial, most likely out of stock footage left on the cutting room floor from other old commercials and tried to regain control with a pathetic ad. And I have that ad locked and loaded in my blog at thenationalpatriot.com. But it didn't work. Resorting to the tried-and-true Budweiser Clydesdales was no match for the destruction of the Bud Light brand wrought by going woke. And former Bud Light consumers immediately called Clydesdale crap on the attempt. Turns out, beer drinkers aren't just finicky when it comes to their brand of choice. They also don't much care for being transparently pandered to either. Now, maybe, just maybe, Anheuser-Busch should have started with this commercial that I have in here, not resorted to it. Alicia Heinerscheid had one job, to get more people to drink Bud Light. In that effort, she managed to appeal to less than 1% of the American population. That's the less than 1% of Americans suffering from the mental illness of gender dysphoria, while at the same time pissing off the vast majority of their already established customers. Look, I'm no VP of marketing, but what I would have done is something called market analysis and clarified who my core consumer was. Doing that, I would have probably discovered that the core Bud Light drinker was male, between the age of 25 and 54, more rural than urban, more blue than white collar, and most likely a sports fan. Given that, if I wanted to attract more customers, I would look at where the demographics have holes, and I would find ways to attract more white collar, more females, more urban consumers, without turning my company's back on the consumers I already had. What I wouldn't do is pander to social media morons that represent less than 1% of the entire population of our country. Now, trust me, it's not rocket science. To attract more customers from a wider demographic, I would create ads that highlight the brand in various settings and a wider variety of events than just sports And I would show a broader demographic of people consuming the product. While I would not hire a social media influencer, I certainly wouldn't ignore social media. And I'd use the platforms to put the brand in front of a younger adult audience. Trust me on this, Diane. What I'm proposing here is not just for Bud Light. It's aimed at the entire corporate world as a model going forward. Well, you know, they are going to have to do a lot of things to regain their reputation. And what they are overlooking in all of this is, in my opinion, 
the first thing they should do is fire this woman. And the second thing is they need to apologize to their once loyal consumers. There's nothing wrong with admitting when you were when you made a mistake. Sometimes you get more respect by admitting that mistake. I agree. And let me address some of that for you. Okay, given the plunge off the abyss by Bud Light over the past month, what has Anheuser-Busch done in an attempt to bring their floundering beer barge back on course? Nearly everything wrong with the exception of one thing. They put woke VP of marketing, Alyssa Heinerscheid, and her boss, Daniel Blake, on a leave of absence. And they've replaced them with Todd Allen, Budweiser's vice president of global marketing. It's important to note here that their leaves of absence were not voluntary. And when they were immediately replaced, those leaves of absence are most likely permanent. But then Anheuser-Busch did quite possibly something even dumber than hiring Heinerscheid in the first place. The company has hired a pair of consultants with experience in Washington, D.C.'s conservative circles to advise the brand moving forward. Now, let me be clear on something here. More often than not, a consultant is a hole in your bottom line that you have to continually try and fill with money. But that is far from the end of this particular line of stupidity. What got Bud Light into trouble to begin with? What got Heinerscheid and Blake essentially fired was going woke along political lines because the boycott is undoubtedly being fueled by conservative consumers who are sick and tired of having the woke liberal agenda foisted upon them. And now Anheuser-Busch figures the best way to right the ship is to become more political? That's just bone-crushingly dumb. Making matters even worse is that the company is based in St. Louis, in Anheuser-Busch's and America's heartland. They went to D.C. to the swamp to find help? Seriously? First, the company pissed off one political demographic, And now, the way to expand the brand is to piss off the other political demographic? Look, I've got an idea. Any company or corporation wanting to increase their market share should ignore the politics of the day, ignore social media trends, ignore special interest groups, ignore the least common denominator, and focus on being apolitical. Our country is divided enough. And catering to various factions of special political interests only deepens the divide. How about trying to market your products in a way that ignores what divides us and shows that your products appeal to everyone? Unless your product is aimed at a niche market, don't engage in niche marketing. If your product depends, by all means, market directly to people who inadvertently poop themselves in public. In such a case, you can ignore the overwhelming vast majority of Americans who don't have the problem, and maybe just maybe your spokesman could be Joe Biden. But if you're a beer company, 
And the last time I checked, Anheuser-Busch is a beer company. Niche special interest group marketing plans are nothing but pure poison unless that's exactly what you're looking for. Such a beer company is Conservative Dad's Ultra Right Beer, which began operations just days after and as a direct response to Bud Light's woke campaign. Conservative Dad's ultra-right beer has only been in existence for three weeks, and they've already raked in better than $1 million in sales, and most of that has been to former Bud Light consumers. Diane, how pissed off are former Bud Light drinkers? Well, a 12-pack of Bud Light sells for $19.99 on average, while a six-pack of conservative dads sells for the same price, $19.99. That means former Bud Light drinkers are willing to pay twice as much to stick it to Anheuser-Busch. Well, what they're doing is a very successful tactic, and it could apply to any company that's pulling the nonsense that Anheuser-Busch did. I mean, you do not a key rule in advertising, never, ever, ever alienate your core people. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. It's exactly what they did. Look, it doesn't matter what you're trying to sell, cars, beer, vacuum cleaners, pancake syrup, or rice. Knock it the hell off with trying to appease unibrow nose-picking woke invertebrates. People are different. People have different ideas, different opinions, and different, uh, you know, uh, slants on things. But if your company wants to make more money, find ways to make sure that people whose opinions differ can find common ground with your product. It's really not that hard. Bud Light needs to stay far, far away from political theater in their advertising. I know people of all stripes, all colors, all political ideologies, all income levels, both straight and gay, who enjoy a good adult beverage. And contrary to what the former VP of marketing thought, humor has always been a key component of Bud Light advertising. So here's a couple of ideas. It's going to cost Anheuser-Busch about 10 million bucks, but What's another $10 million to a company that just shot a $5 billion hole in their own foot? Give $5 million bucks to Chris Rock and another $5 million bucks to Will Smith and have Rock, flanked by a couple of security guards, answering the doorbell only to find Will Smith standing on his front porch. As the big security guards start to shield Rock, Rock says, You ain't going to hit me again, are you? To which Smith holds up a case of Bud Light and says, dude, I am so sorry. Peace offering. Rock tells his security guards to relax. It's okay. And the commercial ends with the two actors enjoying a beer between friends. Or how about having Bill Shatner and Sir Patrick Stewart in a bar full of every sort of strange looking person you can imagine arguing about who was the best starship captain, who faced the worst enemy, and who crashed more enterprises when they ask the replicator for two Bud Lights. And as they take them from the machine, they realize that neither one of them has a bottle opener. At that point, Mark Hamill 
swings a lightsaber, you hear two bottle caps popping off, and Hamill says, they'll let anybody into this cantina. (laughs) Stuart looks over at Shatner and says, your ship was infested with gerbils. And Shatner says, tribbles. They were tribbles. Okay, you get the idea. And there are any number of ways to show Bud Light bringing people together. A blue-collar dad and his white-collar daughter sharing a moment over a beer. A beach party with Bud Light. A campfire with Bud Light. A guy with a Tesla parked on the side of the road. And a woman with a generator having a Bud Light. But don't make pandering fake apology commercials because nobody's buying something that is obviously that condescending. To any company or corporation out there toying with the notion of moving to a woke marketing scheme, the bottom line is literally your bottom line. Go woke, go broke isn't just a bumper sticker, it's a fact. Quit Mickey Mousing around trying to appease virtue-signaling woke nonsense peddlers who only pretend to be offended on other people's behalf and focus on the bigger picture if you want to increase your market share are you listening disney no they're not (laughs) (laughs) i know they're not and that's part of the problem i mean it's like i said this is not rocket science exactly exactly i mean it's very simple i mean when i had my advertising classes that i had to take i mean the number one rule is Don't alienate your current customers. You bring in new customers. You don't throw out the old ones for new ones. Right. You just add. It makes no sense. It's not a a net zero sum game. You add customers. Exactly. You know? And there's so many different ways Bud could go about doing that. But they didn't do any of it. No. By no, the way, they, I like the Star Trek one the best, that idea the best. You know, I when, when I was sitting here thinking, I thought, you know, what, what's a couple of good examples of something that people argue about good-naturedly, right? Or, or conflicts that have been in the news that, that you could use in an advertising ploy to show that your product brings people together. Right. You know, the whole Will Smith, Chris Rock slap at the Oscars a year ago. That's that's kind of an obvious one, you know. But having two retired starship captains arguing about who was the best starship captain. Well, one of them actually was killed. He wasn't retired. Well, I mean, the actors are are basically retired from, you know, being being starship captains. That's true. You know, and and you know they're they're both. Uh, you know, uh, Stewart is younger, but not by much. No, you know, Will Shatner's what, 93 or something yeah, like he, that? Yeah, he's like Hard 93. No, he looks Hard good. You yeah, know, he looks great. He looks good. He sounds good, you know. And, and Picard, you know, Stewart just got done with the uh, series Picard. And they might bring it back. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I never saw the actual series, but I've seen clips. That looks fascinating. So yes. why not have those two representing two entirely different generations of viewers of the same show argue about who was the best? Because 
you know, when when space nerds like Diana and I get together, that topic comes up. You know, oh, I like New Generation. Oh, I like the original. You know, and and people have a good natured fun with that. Why not? Why not let the stars of the two shows have fun with it? Because that is good advertising. When you're doing wokeness, you're not doing good advertising. No. You're indoctrinating. That's it exactly. Now. This commentary, Bud No Wiser, doubles down on stupid. You can find that two places. You can go to thenationalpatriot.com or rspradio1.com. Either way, I hope you grab the link. Read the article that came two weeks ago. And remember, my next two commentaries are going to be about this topic because there's so much more that most people don't understand. That, you know, with regards to all this, that I think needs to come out. And if you own a corporation, a big corporation, and you've got an advertising budget, I'll tell you what. Like I said, I'm no VP of marketing, but this isn't rocket science. And, you know, if you can read these and you can see the validity of what I'm saying, it might save you billions of dollars. Yeah, it's... The worst thing they ever did was take the iconic Clydesdales and took one of the greatest commercials ever, the one with the Clydesdales after 9-11. Right. And they now have sullied even that. Well, okay, but, but you know, here's – here, and I didn't mention this because, you know, I, I just didn't have room. But here's something you have to understand – when, when you go to the nationalpatriot.com and you go through this commentary, you will find locked and loaded the video of the quote-unquote patriotic commercial they did after the whole Bud Light debacle it's got started. It's a terrible commercial, okay? But here's something you got to be aware of. It focuses on the Clydesdales, right? The mm-hmm. Clydesdales were never part of Bud Light marketing. The Clydesdales never appeared in a Bud Light commercial. They appeared for Budweiser, not Bud right. Light. And, right. and and that's why I'm saying they threw this thing together. I'm sure they used old footage from commercials that were shot years ago, maybe decades ago, spliced it all together, voiced over it, and, and threw this thing together as fast as they could to get it out there. I'm sorry, but people see through it. They know this is condescending. They know it's pandering, and they know they they don't want anything to do with it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as soon as I saw that commercial, I'm like, are they insane doing this? Well, they think everybody loves the Clydesdales, and Clydesdales are never a part of Bud Light marketing. You know who was? Um, Spuds McKenzie. That's right, yes. You know, Spuds McKenzie, uh, the Bud Light Frogs. Yes. You know, and I mean, uh, you know, the the what's up guys. You know, I mean, humor has always been the Bud Light calling card. Not the Clydesdales. Yeah, there there was nothing humorous. They took on an iconic... uh, an iconic front, if you will with that one commercial and they've the 9-11 commercial right and they've ruined that 
Well, you know, there's there's a slug of those great Budweiser Clydesdale commercials. The one with the little puppy, you know, yes, uh, yes. That, that runs away and comes back, and the wolves are going to get the puppy, and the Clydesdale show up and scare off the wolves. Right. You know, I mean, there's a slug of those Clydesdale commercials that were so completely classy. Yes. You know, and and that set the tone for Budweiser. Not but light. Right. You know? Um, but I've got two more, uh, you know, articles in this series coming out over the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for them. TheNationalPatriot.com or RSPRadio1.com. In fact, if you go to RSPRadio1.com, you can find Diane's article and my article. Right. That makes it easy. One-stop shopping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, th- this this thing is not going to go away. It's not going to die the way Anheuser-Busch wants it to. Uh, this thing's got legs, and, and they just keep finding the wrong ways to go about solving their self-inflicted problem. The only way they're going to stop it is if they actually come out, eat crow, and apologize I've got I've got all that covered in the next two articles. Ah, okay. Okay, and you know, trust me, you don't want to miss them. But with that, Diane, you and I have pretty much run out of time. Oh, by the way, you, you said you loved the uh, uh, the Star Trek thing in in this commentary. Yeah, the idea for that. I, I just want you to know. Uh, I just bought a pocket watch that has the Star Trek insignia on it. Oh, God. I have an old watch from that that I was given as a kid. <laughs> this is this is a nice pocket watch. Ah, and and, okay. and the, the front cover of it has the Star Trek emblem on it. And when, you, of course, you push the button and that pops open, and you see what time it is. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Hey, oh, it's very cool. Here as a kid trick-or-treating, I went out as a Vulcan woman. <laughs> yes folks we are star trek and space nerds yes (laughs) i mean there's just no getting around it but with that diane you and i have run out of time for tonight's show yes we have so with that i will say mighty night good night everybody have a great rest of the week we'll catch up with you again on friday bye-bye